Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We are here once again for On the Island, week number. <laughs> the episode number is confusing me, Ty. It got, I, I got, I blew past it last week, and now this week it's in my head. Week number eleven of Survivor, season thirty-eight, Edge of Extinction. I am Taylor Gaines, your host, back for another week to break down the latest and greatest here on the show where we talk. About Survivor, we talk to Survivors, and we talk to Survivors about Survivor. My co-host is with me, as always, and just wait, we have another guest too. But first I'll introduce him, because he's always by my side. If I'm going to go 39 days with him, I'm going to need $2 million. Not just a <laughs> It's Tyler B. Commons. So what, you're up to like 8 or $10 million right now? <laughs> I don't know who owes it to you, but I I'm- certainly don't terrified to do the math of how many days we've spent together it's got to be well over 39 well over 39 it's what it feels like recording this podcast (laughs) do you have to be so antagonistic just from the start ty that's my role (laughs) now that the now that the goat is gone greatest of all time not the other kind of goat uh we'll get to that trust me (laughs) but first let me introduce someone i actually like Uh, I'm used to being around drama queens because I am one, so she's not going to get to me. <laughs> Sunday Burquest from season 33, Millennials vs. Gen X, our old friend of the podcast. How are you? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm doing great, except that Ty's here. <laughs> <laughs> I can go home. All my alliance is gone. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you guys for this week. Another titan falls as the show would have you believe we have had just week after week of like here's a threat up now they're gone and this week ty i i I gotta start with this with what greatest survivor of all time war dog goes down (laughs) (laughs) last week for those who didn't listen ty got a little ahead of himself at one point you said you know it's possible if war dog's plan works out (laughs) Because he's orchestrated a few votes in a row. He might just be the greatest survivor of all time. But you have to understand that he has to fully grasp, because last week we talked about how he's like made everybody an individual and cut the legs out of every alliance, and how that could be a great strategy. And if he knowingly did that, then he is the greatest player. As we saw this week, (laughs) I don't think he knowingly did it. Therefore, he's not the greatest player. He also just had a magical performance in the first reward challenge where he like fell into the water, slipped off the thing, <laughs> swam the wrong way. And I, in my notes, I was just typing greatest survivor of all time in caps during that entire challenge. It was just, <laughs> it was fantastic. Hey, don't feel bad, Tyler. I was, uh, I was on um, another podcast that shall not be named. Never. And <laughs> my prediction for the final three... Well, I won't give you that, but my prediction for the winner was <laughs> War Dog, and that was two weeks ago. So, hey, we always talk about the edit of the show, and he definitely felt like he was getting a winner's edit. But as we've seen the last few seasons, the winner's edit is going away. Edit doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is actually, for those who haven't listened, I think you can go back on our feed and find it, but. Sunday, you were one of the first people we got to talk to about this idea that, <laughs> hey, what you're seeing is not the whole story because you famously had like a 
pretty quiet edit. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say others have had worse. So yeah, not going to complain. I mean, the merge of this season, my husband goes, I don't even know half the people that made it to the merge. I don't even know their names. Yeah. And at this point, it's got to just be cool to look back on it with regardless of like the nitty gritty of it, because now it's yeah. been a couple of years. It's just like, wow, like I was on Survivor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, since we're talking about Final Threes, I guess I could brag about the fact I'm only going to have so many opportunities to do this, you guys. I mean, my Final Three in the preseason was Gavin, Ron, and Lauren, with Lauren winning. What are, what, are, what is the chance? Slim to none, but that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But Sunday, how have you felt about this season so far? Obviously, we'll dive into this episode specifically, but uh, what have you thought of this twist on the old returning player theme uh, and and by returning i mean returners and players who have been voted out already um i don't love it i wouldn't love it as a player i don't love it i don't like it really to be honest i don't like that they're still there after the merge i don't like that they're the entire jury i don't like that you know reem got to play one day and now sat at an island for her whole survivor dream and those that went right away i don't like i think i don't like the advantages being sent back into the game from the edge of the island i don't like that they stuck a random idol in rick's bag that he didn't have to find that was so dumb and then it was dumb too that it was like a half idol but it didn't help to it was just dumb all the way around <laughs> And, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't love it. Wow. I'm impressed that you, you started. you ask me how I really feel. You started every <laughs> single sentence with, I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the players. I, I feel for the players in the game. So I, you know, it's not the players. It's the, it's the game itself that I haven't liked how they did all that. And it just hasn't been. I think it's a little hard coming off of David and Goliath because that was just such a great season, too. Um, mm -hmm. I feel for the returning players uh, because, you know, you're showing up and then the rest of the cast hates you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, yeah. I don't know. But that's not anything. That's not a commentary on the players. Yeah, we talked a lot about that, especially early on. And, you know, last week, now that all the returners are gone, that it wasn't fair to have all these new people just kind of in the shadow of the old people for, you know, as your husband said, half the season till the merge happened, like not really knowing who they are, you know, you're getting tidbits here and there, but um, that is one thing that I really liked about this episode is now that all the returners are gone, we're getting to see the thought process and ideas of the newbies. And I think that that has, been what this version of the show is missing is it was like how does everybody relate to these four people we all know and love oh well they just want to get rid of them okay now let's finally explain who they are and we have what five weeks left something like that so it's not like there's a whole lot of time to really get to know who these new people are i think it's even less than that we might only have like four. three or four three. yeah i want to yeah. say it's like three regular weeks or two and, the and then a, and then a finale there's not a lot Oof. of time left. And Plus, 
Yeah, they're not showing any of the, also showing much of what's going on in Extinction Island. It's like, if you're going to keep these people in the game, then you should be showing us what's happening over there and the dynamic of those players that have been, you know, we've got glimpses of it, but yeah. Yeah, because at this point, even if like Joe got back into the game, it feels like it would be so uninteresting because we haven't heard from him in like three or four weeks. In it's any like real another way. tribe that's being ignored. Essentially, right? And you know, it's, it's just... like they don't have time to cover that many people, so they shouldn't have them all in the game, in my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. have any intel on when it ends, but it needs to end soon <laughs> because <laughs> did you can't... even see David last night? Or Eric, see him at all. Like, you wouldn't even know he was on this season last night. There wasn't even, I don't need to know that there was a glimpse of him last night. Yeah, we spent a lot of time actually watching tears roll down Kelly's cheek. It was almost like the the the, the producers or the camera guys were just so proud that they had that shot of the one tear <laughs> in the high definition that we got to watch that slowly roll. But it went like... I do enjoy Reem as as crazy as it is that Reem is going to have a say in who <laughs> wins. I I feel like she always provides entertainment because this week she just kind of went off on Kelly in the yeah just to let it off her chest as she said basically like you ruined my survivor experience. I wanted blah 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 blah, blah. and it was just like no oh. Reem you ruined your survivor experience. <laughs> It's it's always fun to hear her kind of um, be super mad at everybody for no apparent reason. Like I understand that if you go to Survivor, you you go to play, obviously. And she played poorly, but now we're still getting to see her for some reason. Usually, when the first person goes, you're like, "Oh, who is that person?" They were there last season. Who? I mean, Pat is kind of memorable because he was medevaced. But, like, before that, I couldn't tell you who the first one out, you know, the few seasons before that even were. Like, I just don't remember them. But now we get to hear Reem be upset at everybody. Every and she week. just talks fun. Kinda, She's, she starts every funny. sentence. Like, how Sunday was starting every sentence with I don't like. She starts every sentence with, listen, dude. Listen, dude. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on, dude. I feel like it says a lot about this episode that we're just sitting talking about Reem. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably that true a lot of interesting things happened i think for me the issue is and and that's pretty much all i want to say about extinction because there wasn't much to it and it just needs to be over but as far as the main action this week i felt like it was framed in a way that was not compelling television it was like okay these three are overconfident and they think they're the only three who have a chance to win and all the females, by chance, happen to have no resume at all. None of them have any shot at winning. And that dynamic is just so uninteresting to me because it's like, it's just too simple. And I feel like at this point in the game, we should know as an audience that it's very complicated and that there are a lot of things happening. But then it got crystallized into just something I found kind of just bland. I agree. And it wasn't a good look on Rick, for sure. It wasn't a good look on any of them, but especially yeah, Rick. no. And, you you know, when you're out there, you say stuff, you know, you've got diarrhea of the mouth, whatever. You know, so 
everyone regrets things that they say and don't realize how they're going to come off later on camera. But, you know, it just it just wasn't. Yeah, it just became like you said, bland, like, oh, this is boys against the girls, you know, and it's like. I don't think when at that point in the game, I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. If you're working with me, you're working with me. Or if you're not, you're not. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. It doesn't matter. You know? Yeah, this was not a good episode for Ron and Rick and War Dog. Obviously, War Dog because he's gone. But just those three getting together and being like, well, look, we're the only three that have done any plans. And, like, we're the strong three. So we need to protect each other by keeping each other in the game. And it's like, no, everyone else is out there playing. Now we haven't gotten to see it, you know, from edits, but like Gavin was obviously upset with the way war dog was talking. I I think Gavin has a plan. And I think Gavin has a thing that he's trying to do, but like, we don't get to see that. So it's, it's interesting for us to hear those three kind of, telling us what the episode is or what the season has been presented as because like that's not necessarily true but that's just what we've gotten to see well and ron's an educator clearly he left his math skills at home because <laughs> three versus five right mm-hmm. five yeah that's that's not uh un, you know an upper-handed alliance, so... He did figure it out by the end, though, I think, because uh, the final vote was 6-2 to two with Aurora, Gavin, Victoria, Julie, Lauren, and Ron voting for Wardog and Wardog and Rick trying to take out Aurora. So it's interesting that, that's... It's interesting we're talking about Ron because I felt like, and obviously they edited it in a way where we didn't get to see the full conversation between those three guys, but... It felt to me like they were very intentionally not really showing what Ron was saying. Like, they showed a lot of Devons being like, we're the power group. Like, we got to make sure us three stick together. And Wardog was like, yeah, man. And then Ron was just kind of silently sitting there. I think he pitched in once or twice to say like, yeah, yeah, definitely. We got to stick together. But I felt like they were trying to protect him almost for the next few episodes, leaving this room for him to be like, still in the middle of these groups and kind of weaving his way through and given that he flipped at the end and wound up on the right side of the vote i am tempted to give him more credit than was initially presented yeah but i think i agree and i think that's been kind of ron's thing the hasn't the entire game his thing been i'm in the middle i can pick So I think they're just continuing that storyline for him that that's what he did throughout the game as he went in the middle and back and forth where he needed to be on the right sides of the votes. Well, let me ask you guys this. Is that the place to be now? Because the way the season has been presented to us is every time one person orchestrates a move to take out a quote unquote threat, they talked in tribal council about how the entire jury was full of people that were all threats or whatever. Like, that person has been targeted one or two weeks later and sent home, just like week after week after week. And we talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago, that it just kind of feels like a ladder of, like, if you happen to be at the top by the time you reach the final three, like, you're going to be the person who wins. Otherwise, if you get up too early, you're just going to get knocked off. And I wonder if we're either going to have someone win who has been invisible for a lot of the season and just happened to be on top at the right time, or if we're going to have someone like Ron win, 
who has been floating around the middle the whole time and always leaving their options open. There's a part of the game is this huge balance between not being so much of a threat and um, it's like this balance between taking credit for moves at the end, but during the game, being able to let someone else take the credit so they get the heat and they become the target and go home. But then you still have to be able to sit there at final tribal and go back and take credit for it. It's like you want credit at the end, but you don't want credit when it happens. That's what's interesting is people seem to be much more outward facing about taking credit for things in these recent seasons, like right away. And I wonder if that's why everyone's getting taken out so quickly, because people are very proudly being like, this was me. And then <laughs> just yeah, like... Yeah, that's smart. And remember a couple, um, like maybe three episodes back, Gavin was like, I got to make a big move because I got to build up my resume when he took out Eric which I thought was way too soon. And I felt like I was watching Will on TV again. Mm. Because that's how Will was our season. Like, I have to build my resume. Building your resume just to have a resume, if it blows up in your face and doesn't help yeah. you, is pointless. That's the thing, right? It's Then you talked about the balance. Like, it's got to be a move that ends up with you having more power, not less. <laughs> not just, like, <laughs> a big move. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, that isolated me from everyone. Like, yeah. it really, it just, this whole season has felt like that scene in The Incredibles where Edna tells them why she doesn't make capes. And it has that montage of superheroes, like, and then their cape gets sucked into a wind turbine or, yeah. like, into a tornado or whatever. It just feels like we're seeing that week after week after week. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely been weird because, like we said, all the perceived big threats have been going home. And I, a few weeks ago in Tribal, they were saying, is everyone just kind of like bloodthirsty to have a blindside on their resume? Like, what is the point of doing all this? And, you know, as you were saying it, like, Wardog fell victim of that today in that he was like, oh, I need to get this huge blindside out there. But at the same time, what is like the damage control people are doing after their blindsides? We talked about that a few weeks ago, and it's just not being done. People are like, "Well, and his was bad this week." His damage War, control? War dog, yeah. Because Gavin felt like he was being talked to like a ten-year-old. Yeah, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you do need to have at least some move on your resume, but like Sunday saying. You can't make this huge move and then be like, haha, that was me. Everybody respect me. Like, trust me, I'm going to keep going in this game. You need to follow me. That doesn't make sense because everyone's like, oh, well, maybe their resume is a little bit better. Let's get rid of them. Oh, maybe they're this big challenge beast. Let's get rid of them. Oh, maybe they're super noticeable. I don't know, but it just feels like this season we are seeing all of the big gamers going. And to get back to like your ladder analogy... Ron has been sitting on like the middle rung the whole time. And like you said, at the end, it might just be like, oh, well, this is his time where he's finally made it to the top rung, but they ran out of episodes. So he's sitting there just waiting to win. Yeah, I I think um, I think there's two things to that's important to remember is one. Nobody makes a move completely by themselves. Like mm -hmm. there's more than one vote that sends a person out a and B, I think there's this a lot of this like 
you got to have big moves. You got to have a resume, which you do to a degree. But in my opinion, it's a lot more small maneuvers and moves for this vote, move for that vote. I went with you. I went with you. That gets you to the end and one or two really big moves. I mean, they're flashy and they're great, but. Do they really get you all the way to the end? Because if you're a big, you know, you make a big move and you want to take all the credit for it, then like we've seen, you're just going to get sent home. And that's what's ultimately sort of frustrating as a Survivor viewer, I guess, is we'll never get to see all of these like subtle dynamics that you're talking about of like, yeah, was there actually this really small moment that won him or her the game and will like never get that full perspective necessarily because we get the flashy end of it is what we get. We get the best 42 minutes out of the, you know, 36 or 48 hours or 72 hours or whatever they do that, that week. (laughs) And it's, uh, it's just been a a strange season. Like you said, Ty, I'm glad all the returners are gone so we can kind of let loose a little bit. Obviously someone might come back. uh, Who knows? But I think it definitely, (laughs) yeah, I will say, I don't think War Dog's going to come back, Ty. I got bad news about him and challenges that I hate to break to you. No, remember, he's hiding his Aaron Rodgers arm. He's definitely coming back. <laughs> do, you, do you think, though, that there's any truth to that? Like, that he could have been faking that so that people didn't automatically think he was a challenge? Uh, or could he really fake it that many challenges? Is that the theory going around? Well, I've thought it. Other people oh. have thought it. But I don't know. I mean, he's just so bad. Yeah, there's no way he's, like... <laughs> You can't hide unathleticism like, like that. How is a that bad? I don't get it. I yeah. think he was faking it. I don't know. I definitely like to take the role of devil's advocate on this podcast. And um, I truly do not believe that War Dog knows how to throw anything. <laughs> or apparently swim in a straight line. Okay, do you want to hear something funny? <laughs> yes. I was with um, some at a charity event last week and Keith Nail was there. And he said, he goes, yeah, I, I looked, his wife's name is Dana. He goes, the first thing, the first challenge I saw where dog throw those balls, I turned around to Dana and I said, look, honey, you could be on Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk, but I don't look like a person that should be good at challenges. I'm saying. Well, and I guess neither does Rick Devins, but he keeps winning and at this point, he now really does seem like a huge threat, and he's been voted out once already. So He is a huge threat. I, I don't know what you do with him exactly. You vote him out other the second than... he doesn't win immunity, and if he does, the only shot they have is getting him out at four with fire making. Well, and this kind of goes back to one of my early season fears, though, of like, is the jury going to overwhelmingly favor a person who has already been to Extinction Island? Like... Wow, look at the odds they've overcome or whatever. Or like, it just seems like they're very friendly to him and he has been playing well, but I'm not sure at this point, like what moves you attribute to him. He did have the moment a couple weeks ago where he kind of instigated the turn against Julia, but uh, I don't know. He just seems like he's been more of a disruptor than a driver to me. I don't know. I think he's making moves. Here's the thing. The thing with the jury members is that I feel like who's ever in the game, they have someone to root for because it's like their person, so to speak. 
And so I think that's a big advantage. And he was at extinction, but not for that long. So he has a lot of game he can talk about, as well as having the support of the people that he was at the edge with. Ty has know. Ty has disappeared. Gilead, yeah, there he is. Oh, Ty's back. It's raining and I had a window open. I had to run. <laughs> Ty, there's no running on Survivor. When it rains, you just have just to wait it suck out. Suck it up. <laughs> you just sit there and shiver. That's what okay, I've been so told. Obviously, at the end of the episode, we'll do our power rankings and we'll each give our top three players for the episode as we see it. But without giving that away, I want to run through where we think everyone who is left, and obviously left is in quotes at this point, thanks to the Edge of Extinction, but everyone who's left and how we feel about them. We talked a bit about Devons there and, and, and Ron earlier, but let's let's do a little, a little rapid fire here. Give, give me your thoughts on Aurora. I, I can't get a read on her because they've wanted to get rid of her for two weeks now. But everyone... This is funny because everybody is actually saying aloud she's not a threat and she doesn't have a reason like to still be there, which you normally don't hear all the contestants saying about each other. So from hearing what they're saying, I feel like she doesn't have a whole lot going for her except for the fact that she's really good at challenges. I think that there's some disconnect socially or something because it doesn't seem like people are connecting to her in a in a uh, human like connection friendship sort of a way they just the what they're showing us is that they don't like her which I don't totally get but maybe her personality is abrasive or something or just she's to the point it seems like um, but then she becomes a valuable person to keep like, the other side of that is, why would you get rid of her? Every time they bring up her name, there's these other threats in the game. And I'm thinking, why would you get rid of her? Why, why, why? You can pull her in for a vote, and you could end up. And I'm not, I don't like to say it like that, because we're not seeing everything, and I know that. But in my mind, you keep her around. Well, as the war dog said this week, if people were smart, they'd take out the war dog. And he was hoping they'd be stupid. And I think, like you said, like the only people it really made sense for to take out Aurora is those three guys. <laughs> and everyone came to their senses pretty quickly. But I yeah. did think it was strange how one moment they were showing us that Aurora and Ron were trying to work together. And then basically the next scene, they were showing them just bitterly fighting with each other <laughs> about like Aurora being the rice Nazi and Ron just being generally pretty just talk backy <laughs> to everyone at that point in the game anything to do with food will just annoy anyone <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is they could show us fights like that every week and the further it gets in the game i mean food is a different thing so you got to take separate that from game and strategy you know <laughs> it's just it's a whole nother deal so the editors are just trying to stir things up when they show us stuff like that. Yeah, they're just yeah, but they're, that's that's how it is. I mean, if people wanna, yeah, it's not a good thing to try and control the food. That is for sure. So speaking of the food, Victoria famously just scraped out a pot a couple weeks ago in that beautiful moment of silence, 
And I'm, I'm curious where you guys feel she stands, because I think she did a great job helping blindside Aubrey earlier in the year, kind of lying right to her face. And that's yep. basically her only signature moment at this point. And I'm, I'm wondering whether she hasn't done enough or if she's in a perfect position to start doing things now and all of a sudden win. <laughs> she's been at, she's voted correctly every vote. Yeah, she has always been on the right side of the vote. Yep. Um, I think that she could surprise us in the next couple of weeks, absolutely. Yeah, we've definitely seen that she uh, has the smarts and the ability to play and make moves, but the last few weeks have made her a non-factor, aside from the fact that she has been on the right side of the vote. We're not seeing her strategy play out. We're seeing her go along with what the majority wants, which sometimes can be the best thing until you make a big move at the end that everybody remembers. So she might just be lying in wait. The strange thing about this week's vote for the war dog too, is I didn't feel, God, I can't believe I still have to say the war dog about a person is I didn't feel (laughs) like they really credited one person in the edit with like, Oh, watch this person orchestrate this war dog vote out that they talked and showed Gavin, a bit. I mean, maybe you look towards him because he wanted to take Wardog out very clearly. What do you guys think of where Gavin's at? I think he's in a good spot. If, as long as he can just not overly get in this, like, building my resume thing and overreact to something, I think he's in a good spot. Yeah, and seeing as he is my only preseason final three left <laughs> in the game at this point, you know, I have to, I just think he's in a great spot and he's playing super well and you know, I just everything's going well for him. And uh, his tattoo looks great <laughs> and uh, he's going to make it to day 39 and take home a million dollars for me. Wow, brilliant right. analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 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 fine. It's weird that they've really presented him as just kind of being somewhere varying from inconsequential to like just making a move just for the sake of making a move. And like you said, Ty, the edits matter less than they used to, but I just don't see a real path to him winning unless he really just takes a power position all of a sudden. Unless he's a lot closer with the people than we're getting to see, I don't see the emotional connections he has getting him votes at the end. Right. Speaking of emotional connections... Julie and Ron made up this week, despite Ron turning on her, and there was obviously speculation of like, oh, never turn your back on Julie, you're going to regret that. And it seemed like she was like, good move, Ron, I'm still with you, we're bros till the end. And she's just been, I wish they had given her more time to this point in the season, because I find her to be a really fascinating player. We talked a couple weeks ago about how her emotional reaction to everything that was happening during the Julia Tribal Council really instigated that entire thing, whether intentional or not. And whatever you make of her motivations or strategy to this point, she has been a really important part of the game. And I'm fascinated by what her path looks like and how she finds her way forward. Mm-hmm. I think regardless, in a, in a situation when you're a pair like that, Unfortunately, I feel like people will give Ron the credit if if it comes down to that. Um, but she's very intentional about wanting to play her own game. She's voiced that. She's talked to people that we've seen. You know, she's good at challenges. So 
I think she has a lot going for her. I don't know that I totally see her sitting in the end. But, I mean, she's definitely playing hard. Yeah, and I, I didn't get to see a lot this week. This week, Stephen Fishback took off writing his column, and they let um, Hannah... Shapiro write hers, and this is what she has to say about Julie. Julie Rosenberg, a key decision maker this episode, shockingly took her blindside in stride. I say shockingly because she had big emotional reactions to past blindsides, often resulting in changes to the game. But this episode, she didn't play with her emotion or target her usual suspect, and it affected everything. So, like, she's there and she's a part of it, but for me, like, I haven't seen, like you're saying if it came down to Ron or Julie, it feels like Ron is the one, the pilot. If we want to keep that metaphor going (laughs) forever and ever, we don't, (laughs) but you know, let's do it. She has seemed like she's the passenger in that pair. So maybe that's just what it looks like. But again, I'm having, and I think this is good thing, a good thing. I am having a hard time trusting the edit of survivor lately, which makes it a lot of fun. But from what I've seen of her, I don't know what her path to the end would look like. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, to me, I feel like through the people we've talked about, there are only a few who I can really see a path for. And I do think Lauren is potentially one of them. She had a strong alliance for the first half of the season, definitely, and and orchestrated a lot of votes on that terrible lesu tribe and has had an idol for a long time and never really been in enough danger to have to play it which is worth something i guess and they did show her making an interesting gesture towards the jury after the vote this week as if like she was an important part of it and maybe she was because they showed also showed her talking about wanting to decide whether she should vote out war dog or aurora and ending up going the way she did but her game feels like she still has a lot of blank space left on the page for her to write in. I, yeah, I don't know what I've seen from her aside from she did have a solid three until War Dog decided to flip the script. But like we said, she's still got an idol in her pocket. She seems like she understands the game, but it also seems like she's just a bystander watching the game, if that makes sense. She's not in on decision-making from what we see. And for that, like, she seems like someone that could be brought to the end, but not someone that's going to make it, if that makes sense. To others, she just might seem like somebody who has been there, but hasn't made a move, hasn't had a blind side, hasn't actually even won challenges Really, like, I think she's good at challenges, but she's not single-handedly won anything. So it's like, she's there, and I think she has a good intelligence about the game, but it's almost from, like, an outside perspective. She's looking in, but she's not a part of things. Yeah, I feel like the first half of the game, she's protected, you know, by Kelly and War Dog. So, um, but I do think, I think she's good socially, but I see Gavin and Victoria tighter. I don't see who her tight, tight people are. I see Gavin and Victoria probably more, more teaming up because they've been together longer. And then you've got, you know, Julie and Ron. And then Aurora has nobody. And then Rick, I mean, who does Rick, I guess he could go back to like Julie 
and Ron, but I don't know who Lauren's people are, I guess. Yeah, we'll have to see. I just want one more person to really step up and make this interesting because it's it's all of a sudden being compressed into something that's kind of oh, Ron or Devins is probably the favorite. And it's it's frustrating when that happens this early, so to speak, because then all of a sudden, like you said, Sunday, it turns into like hoping one person loses immunity so that <laughs> they have a chance to do something. Because like when Ben won, it was just kind of like, uh, at least watching on TV, it was just like, oh, wow, he won again. He's going to win. And I don't I, that's obviously not an exciting way for it to happen as a as a TV show. Hang on, there's an idol right here next to my bed. That's so weird. <laughs> I, it's 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 crazy. They're just gifting so many advantages now. I made this joke a few weeks ago, but like, you know, your show has too many advantages when you have to tell us who has which advantage during their confessional. Like, slow it down, guys. Slow it down. Slow your roll. We're going to slow our roll and get into our power rankings for this week. So each of us will unveil our top three players. We kind of just ran through everybody because we got it down to a pretty manageable number at this point. But I want to hear where everyone has these people standing. And obviously uh, on the weeks we have a guest, my votes will not count towards our power rankings, which uh, factor in. One point for the third place vote, two points for the second place vote, and three points for the first place vote. So let's go ahead and start with our guest, Sunday. Who is your number three player for the week? This is like, are these the for just this episode or for like going into the end? It is going into the end based off of the events of this episode. Okay. okay. <laughs> My number three is Aurora. Why do you say that? Because I feel like you just keep surviving and they keep wanting to get rid of her and she's still there. And <laughs> I just think, I don't know why there's no reason to get rid of her at this point. And she does have, wait, did Ron give her back her extra vote? Yeah, he's going to give yeah, her back he her extra vote. Mm -hmm. So she has got that also. Um, and did she didn't use it, did she, against War Dog? I don't believe so. She did not. Okay, so she's got an extra vote. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Ty? For me, uh, my number three... <sighs> number three is really difficult, but I feel like I have to give it to... This doesn't even make sense, but it's what makes sense. I feel like I have to give it to Devins because he can win immunity challenges... And he has shown that despite being voted out when the Lesu was down to five, he's found his way back in. And even when he thinks he has an alliance, he's able to kind of turn and get in with somebody else. And just from seeing how personable he is and that he won immunity this week, I'm going to give him number three. My number three is Victoria. I just think like, She's one of the few people outside of my top two who we've seen strategic chops from and, like we said, has been on the right side of a lot of votes and has some work to do to get into the conversation for real, but has done enough to get into number three for me. 
Sunday, who's your number two? My number two is Lauren. I do think she's playing pretty well. I don't know who her people are, but she does have an idol. And I feel like she's, you know, she has enough of a social game where I think she can build a connection with Victoria and Julie, possibly. And if she's smart, Aurora too, but I'd put her in the two spot. Yeah, and I'm on board with that. Lauren is also my number two uh, for those reasons. She has the idol. She seems like she's personable, and she seems like she understands the game, even if I feel like she's outside of the game weirdly. I feel like she could easily hop in these next few weeks. Wow, I'm shocked. I feel like you both were negative about Lauren five minutes ago. Now you both have her at number two. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'm not negative on her, but at that point we were ta- having a different conversation. Fair, fair. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting the the shift. My number two is uh, Devon's for now. Uh, it's like one of those things where I, I could make a an argument that he's the second most powerful player or, or whatever to like take power rankings very literally. And but obviously, I do kind of feel like if he loses immunity, he's such an easy target. And I don't know how that bodes for him. But again, with the Edge of Extinction, he could also just come back again, and the jury seems to love him. So given his performance on the season so far and in challenges and stuff, I'll say he's my number two. All right, Sunday. Number one. Can I pick someone from the Edge, or does it have to be someone still? <laughs> hey, honestly? Because there's someone I, I who's coming back. I don't think there's any rule against it. <laughs> I have to pick David. Yes, Team David. (laughs) No, this is why I made a poor decision a couple weeks ago, and I didn't pick David. But David is very smart, and he is good at challenges. So theoretically, he if they do a challenge, he could get back in the game. He's been over there; he'll be over there for a little bit, enough to build some relationships. And depending who he's sitting with. I think that these are super fans, okay? And I'm not saying this would be a big factor, but I do think that there are people that in the back of their heart of their hearts of their mind think that, you know, he may deserve it because he could have deserved it in 33. And here he is again. I should note that Sunday's wearing a t-shirt with David's face on it as she ranks him number one. (laughs) Yep. Right (sighs) on. Edge of extinction. <laughs> W-R-I-G-H-T. And glitter, too. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh. There you go. Okay, Ty. Who's your number one? As much as I do love David, he is not my number one this week. Number one from what the episode appeared, you would think I would probably pick Ron. But I'm going to go with Gavin because... Gavin was the one that had to rally everybody and say, look, Wardog is not talking to me like a person. Wardog is just trying to bully his way through the final three and like make this plan. And I'm not going to stand for it. And even though he's not necessarily like the most entertaining guy to see on TV, I think he's the one that like rallied all the troops today. And if he's able to do that, but not paint a target on his back, I think he set himself up today to be in a good position if the Alliance 
that they had to vote out War Dog doesn't fall apart. Now, with the way this season's going, I have no idea if an alliance is going to last more than 48 hours. It certainly doesn't feel like it, but at least this episode, he pulled the trigger and made it happen. Wow. I'm actually pretty surprised how different our power rankings are. Because the way that this episode looked was like, as if there were these three people who had a chance and no one else. But I think our conversation has really shown that it's like probably not as clear cut as it seems. That being said, I've run number one. I think like we talked about being in the middle is just something I always love. I feel like it's just like a place to be in recent seasons on this show because it doesn't put you in danger. Everyone's wanting you to vote with them rather than wanting to vote you out. And He's quietly building a pretty strong resume of votes that he's participated in or big shifts in the game that he has helped instigate. And he might get too temperamental at times and set people off. I don't know how that's going to play out as we get into the final weeks here, but I think he uh, is positioned better than anyone else in my mind. I would have went Ron if I couldn't pick David from the edge. Although, I guess he didn't make your top three at all, though. So, he's hurt either way. <laughs> yeah. Disappointed. But, uh, yeah, so there you have it. We got our outlook on all of the remaining seven players, plus a few of the ones living out on the edge of extinction. Hopefully, we hear from them soon so we can put that to rest and stop having to have the same conversation every week about how dumb it is <laughs> that they're all just sitting there. And they're all going to get to vote. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But really, that's pretty much all there is from this week. There, there wasn't a lot of action or strategy. And uh, that's, that's pretty much all we got. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you knew the minute they showed Rick saying, "Those look, those girls haven't been players. We're the big... Th-. You knew immediately, oh, boys. One of you three is going home. <laughs> they're not... <laughs> Even playing the game, he said. Yep. Sunday, you have anything you want to tell the people about? What are you up to these days? Oh, I'm speaking and um, same stuff I've been doing. (laughs) I have a daughter graduating from high school, so that's kind of consuming my life right now. No, the only thing I do want to say that I think I appreciated that this season that they're letting us see a little bit of the emotional um, stuff. Like, I love that they showed all that stuff with Julie at that tribal because it's totally how you feel. Like, you're with people all the time, but at the exact same time, you feel totally alone. And I think it's really hard to translate from the screen to the fans the emotional and mental toll that the game takes on you. And I liked what they showed with Kelly, too. I, I, I guess I get that it was kind of a longer scene, but I think that um, it gives the fans and people more than just a one-dimensional look at the players. So it is a highly emotional game, and I think that, you know, they should show that sometimes. Yeah, and the other thing, to your point, is I think they've done a better job of portraying that as a real thing that happens and not, like... A weird thing that only happens to like overly emotional people right so that's been a nice development yeah yeah heaven is getting mud rubbed on you by tyler b commons and fiji 
any last words, Ty? No, only that one day I hope Survivor picks me to go to Fiji. Wouldn't that be great? What a visual that was to see the four of them just covered in mud. I felt like I was watching a different show all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm just saying for a, a reward on Survivor, mud, really? As if you <laughs> haven't had enough. But it's, but it's so warm, and it feels like a hot tub. Oh God. <laughs> this is the this is the secret narrative of this like season, so you guys. That was my reward, mud. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. Not enough people are talking about this. The rewards this season have been like grilled cheese, peanut butter and jelly, nasty looking pizza. The pizza's horrible. Like Chinese <laughs> food. Coffee and mud. Croissants. Guys, what are we doing? Where is the budget? Chinese food in Fiji. Okay, just think about that for a second. <laughs> second of all, the budget, they're saving so much money not sending anyone on a trip or doing Ponderosa. Give me a break. Get them some good rewards, people. Uh, it's, it's upsetting. <laughs> it is upsetting. But, you know, just... I think when a lesson we all need to take from this is just to ne- to never bank on stupidity. That's going to be just one of my... I just hope War Dog doesn't bank on stupidity the rest of his life. There you have it, folks. Take that with you into your week. Yeah. Don't bank on stupidity. And don't talk to people like a dog. <laughs> I think that's a, those are two simple things you can just try to do. <laughs> your life will be so much better. So thank you, Sunday. Thank you, Ty, yeah. for joining me on the island for week number 10. We will be back next week with our very special family visit podcast. Ty, I haven't decided what I'll do with you yet. <laughs> okay, well, I'm here if you want me. <laughs> Last year, my dad joined me for the family visit episode. I'll have to see what I can come up with this time around. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts five stars so that we can take over the world and talk to whoever we want, however we want, dogs, cats, or otherwise. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is-